looking to start a podcast but don't know where to begin? Look no further. The team at Dodge Media Productions has 20 years of experience as podcast listeners and observing the industry and eight years experience in podcast production. We can help you take your podcast from idea to fruition and we'll make the process seamless and easy. We'll help you with everything from recording and editing to hitting the charts on Apple Podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Contact us today and let's get started. DodgeMediaProductions.com You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 145, and we are going to talk about a fantastic documentary that I have loved since I first saw it. It's called Buck, about Buck Brannaman, who inspired The Horse Whisperer. A book was written, and then Robert Redford optioned the book to make a movie, and so then he brought Buck on set to help out with a lot of different things and got to know him, and that's the horse whisperer came out and then the filmmaker before I go on to more about the movie, we watched it for free on canopy and you would think this is a paid ad. This is not at all a paid ad. I just love free things. And if you have not discovered canopy, it is fantastic is an app that you can get on your smart TVs. You can get it on any of your devices and you just link up your library card to it and you can stream movies for free. So I know with all the streaming services, raising their prices, Please, please, please seek out Canopy because you can see great films like Buck. So let's go on. Okay. I want to interject a little. I found some trivia, which you may know about uh, who's credited as the director of this film. Yeah, that's probably the the big secret I was oh. holding from you. So let's see. Okay, you go do ahead you and go, go then. Or oh, do you no, want me if to you, go? If you know, I'll let you continue okay. your normal plan. So Cindy Meal was a first-time director. Basically, she attended one of Buck's clinics and was so captivated by him, and she had attended more than one, and she just kept coming away from each of the clinics thinking, because she was a horseman or a horsewoman, <laughs> and she went there thinking that something was wrong with her horse. And then she discovered, no, it's me that is causing this trouble. And so she just walked up to him one day. She's not a filmmaker. Right. And she basically just walked up to him. She said he was, he normally always had people around him at lunch and different breaks. And there was this one day that he was all by himself sitting at a table. And she thought, if you don't go up and ask him right now, you're going to lose your nerve. And, and so she just said, I would like to make a documentary about you because I think what you're providing to people, more people need to know because what Buck teaches these horse people about their horses and themselves, she was like, people could use this for their children. People could use this for their relationships. And, and it's just valuable information. It needs to get out there and people need to know who Buck is. So he thought about it for just a couple minutes. He said he had been approached before. He had even been approached to do books before the gentleman who wrote the book about him and people would just ask him and then nothing would come of it. So he was just like, sure, gave him, gave her his phone number and like the rest is history. She got a crew and she got producers to help her out and made a movie, which I think is so inspiring. Like that's one of the things that we love to talk about is 
especially now with our smartphones, everybody has the ability to make a movie and tell a story. And so there should be no restrictions or barricades in your thinking if that's what you want to do. Is that what you were going to say? Well, I was going to mention, yeah, that she was a, 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 not just a, a, the owner, but a, the director, but a client as yes. well. Yes, yes. Um, so it was interesting. I read a quote from her where she talked about being a first, and as far as I can tell, only time director. And, and she says, gave the analogy of, of a house. And she said she was surprised to learn that the director has to concern themselves even with things like the hinges. And I think every director out there is like, yeah, right. So to me, I think, yeah, it's an interesting model because she may not want to make or direct another film, right? That might, she's just maybe passionate about this one particular story. And so for people who you don't have to have like a whole, you know, 10 film arc, like Quentin Tarantino planned out for your career, if you just have one thing that you're interested in. And as one of my Jedi masters, Mark Duplass has said recently, like, look what you have the means to do, right? So if you want to tell a story, yeah, you have a phone, it has a record feature, so you could do a VO across some Kinburn's photos, still photos. There's options to do stuff. And so I think this is a well-produced film. I don't want it to make it sound like this documentary was, was hokey. I think she got some really talented people to help with the rest of the film. But I'm just saying that, yeah, to double down what you said, this is an example of, you know, if you have an idea, just make it. Yeah. I think what's really cool, I watched a number of interviews because it got into Sundance and it's so funny to me because she, she was like, I was just so surprised that we got into Sundance. And I was like, Redford. why were you surprised? <laughs> Robert Redford picked this story because he likes Buck and she did make a good film. So right. she, she should she shouldn't be surprised because her film is good, but it's about a subject that he's very close. I was just like, why are you surprised? Yeah. If I cast Redford <laughs> in my next film, I'd have good shot at Sundance too. I, so I, so I watched a lot of interviews that they did in and around when they got into Sundance. And one of the things that I think was, was so vital for this to be a successful documentary is Buck said he trusted her. And, yeah, yeah. And he originally didn't even know that she had never made a film before, but he was like, but I knew who she was and I knew that she's the type of person when she sets out to do something, she's going to get it done. So, and she did rely, I'm forgetting who her producing partners were, but they had done quite a few well-known documentaries. So she was kind of in good hands. Her husband knew some cinematographers, although she went through more than one because originally I think it also helped that she was a horse person Yeah, because she said the first people they were shooting buck and the horse's head, but sometimes the ears would be out of frame or the nose would be out of frame right. or the feet more importantly. And she said, no, it's important. You have to get the whole horse cause you have to see what control he gets over and maybe control isn't the right word, but yeah, yeah, the he, whole, but he gains trust of the horse. And then when he says back up, the horse is willing to do it because it trusts that he's not going to hurt them or put them in peril. Right. And that's Buck's biggest, I think message is you can't like whip a horse and say back up. You have to 
gain, you have to build a relationship of trust and respect and, you know, I guess partnership kind of, and then the horse is willing to do what you ask it to do. So I did a little, little looking up on the horse whisper and apparently a lot of folks don't like that phrase, even though it's, it's kind of clever turn of phrase. They prefer terms like natural horsemanship, and it's, it's kind of a little bit controversial in that some people in the horse community say this isn't a new thing, and it, it makes tons of sense, uh, like when you're working with dogs, right, is they'll, they'll do more out of love than they would out of fear. And one of the unfortunate things was when, when horses were part of the military, the horses for cavalry, you, in order for them to do the job that they military wanted them to do, they had to kind of break their spirit. They had to remove their self-preservation instinct. Otherwise, they wouldn't charge into battle because they're not stupid, right? We see in this film, horses are pretty darn smart. And unfortunately, some folks took those techniques and applied them outside of a military setting, which is where I think we got a lot of these practices that people didn't like. But from my reading, there are people in the dressage community in Europe who say, no, we figured out 100 years ago, like, be nice to the horse and you get more out of them. I, I think, you know, this that part is separate. I think really kind of what he does is traveling psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. When you watch him and he has the interaction with a woman whose horse is a monster and you know, later he says, this horse could have been fine. People let this horse down. And, but he talks to this lady and he was, I, I know, I wish I could be that direct and deliver it. And he reminds me of kind of Jerry Seinfeld. I've talked about does this, uh, he can say things and people don't take it. And at one point he says, why didn't you learn to enjoy your life? Life's too damn short. And when you hear that, if some person you didn't know came up to you and said that, you would probably punch him in the nose. Well, I thought he said much worse. I mean, well, he did. I just I, didn't write it when down. When I say much worse, um, harsher things that w- could tend to offend people. Because yes. I think he was being very truthful, and he uh-huh. was saying it in a way that he was concerned for her. Yep. And he was concerned. He knows that she has other what they call them stud horses. Like yeah. So those are unaltered horses, correct? Right, they've got their, their... So I think he's not only worried about the horse in front of him right now, he's worried about all the horses she has back and yeah. her. So he says it with great care and concern, but he's like, lady, I want to know what's going on in your life that you are attracting all of this, you know, like basically chaos and why you're yeah, doing and this. risk. And... I mean, I think that would offend a lot of people. Sure. But he needed to say it because someone needed to kind of rattle her and kind of wake her up. And so hopefully, I mean, we don't know what happened for her after this. Sadly, the horse was going to have to be put down. So in interviews, he said that that horse was basically, or maybe he said this in the film, like a disabled child. And that's what needed to happen. This horse could have been rehabilitated. It could have been given the tools to have a long life but it it was treated like a full functioning horse not like a horse with limit limits due to having a lack of oxygen when it was born and i think you know without naming names but we know of people who with their children have raised them children who have maybe a physical or mental disability where they they coddle them so much that they're not uh, exposed to the full 
you know, gamut of life. And, and this horse is the same, right? She brought it literally into her home and coddled this. And he says at one point in the film that the horse needed to be around other horses because they would have put him in check. He would have misbehaved like all young people do, but a much bigger stallion would have put him right back in his place. And he would have been able to, to you know, um, have a a healthy place in, in, in a herd. And it's interesting listening to how much the horses also depend on that social, right? Like humans. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, uh, Robert Redford says he's gentle. And so it's fun because that conversation we're talking about, I think he was being gentle, but he was saying some things that were kind of just dropping some truth. Yeah. But um, he has this, this kind of affable self-effacing way that again reminds me a little bit of Seinfeld in that he's able to say these things and people are like, oh yeah, you're right, instead of you know them fighting words. So yeah. I I think I personally would pay the twenty dollars to be a spectator because I'd love to watch him interact because that to me is why this documentary is interesting. Is he is a fascinating character and they they go through his childhood trauma, which I, I mean I think even without that I think this guy is just he, he's magnetic. Yeah. He is, he is sweet and he is gentle and he is, he's, he's very quiet, like in a, he, cause even in his clinics, like he's not yelling and in his interviews and he just seems so calm. And for somebody who go, who went through the child abuse that he went through and, and he's so full of compassion. Like he was saying in one of the interviews that when he hears about somebody in the news who did something, you know, if they're in the news, it's probably not good. And he goes, Oh, I just wonder what, you know, like what happened to them as a kid? Like he has so much compassion for people that like he understands if they're lashing out, if they're hurting people, if they're cheating people, like what happened to them that they had to do this? And you just see the compassion in his whole body. But what I think is kind of magical about the way he interacts with these horses, and I certainly wish I could do this with people, is he finds this balance between, yeah, that tremendous compassion, but without being a pushover, right? Oh, yeah. And so a little bit it reminded me of, and I know this fellow's got maybe some trouble, but Caesar Milan with, with the dogs would talk about... He had this calm energy. They still knew he was in charge, but he didn't have to shout, didn't have to squirt him or yank on the, the leash. It was that energy, right? I think Buck has this with the horses where people, they think it's magic because within, and we see it with one horse, within like a minute or two, maybe tops, the horse goes from pulling and you know being rowdy to just following him around without any tension on the lead. It is, it's like magic. I could think, especially if you've been around horses your whole life, you, you see this guy walking, you're like, what is this sorcery? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that comes down to that, that I don't know if you call it like um, maybe, you know, spiritual power or whatever you would call it, but he just has that, that, like you said, he's gentle and compassionate, but there's no nonsense. It reminds me of Miss Polly, my math teacher, mm-hmm. right? Didn't say a lot, but you just knew. This was the rule and that was that. There was no fussing and fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know where the line is. I thought it was cool because when they were talking about the filmmaking process, he likened Cindy's ability to know where 
the camera should be to um, our favorite Wayne Gretzky. He said it, it, she just knew where, because she had been to a number of clinics and she knew what Buck could do. So they sometimes would miss it early on, but then she was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, and she said he was so patient too. She would call him up and go, Buck, we have to come to another clinic. You know, like I want to get this. And he was like, sure, whatever. Okay. And that's the trust that I think they needed to have towards one another. I think he knew if she's asking, she needs this for the story. And early on, they had they had a whole version of the film. And it was more about the horse people and the horses. And when they would test it, everybody was like, I want more buck. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. We want to see more. And so they had that. that's then they had to. And they wanted this film to appeal to people who weren't horse people they were like we know we'll get all the horse people watching this movie but we want the people who just watch it and i think definitely this is a film that everyone could benefit from because one of the interviewers likened that we have the dog whisperer now which we wouldn't have if we didn't have the horse (laughs) whisperer and then he said like even like super nanny and she kind of has some of the same ideas. That, the naughty spot. Yeah. Well, but even don't come to your kid and just be yelling. Like, first, you have to build this rapport and they have to be able to trust you. And children are going to come along with once they know that they're safe and, you know, you kind of suggest something, then beating them into submission. So I thought that was interesting. And maybe it's just as simple as we're not taught really how to interact. Like we're not taught about marriage or we're not taught about being a parent or a dog parent. And so we need these people in our lives that are experts in these fields to show us that one way of like brute force isn't the correct way. And there are other ways to get kind of what you want from relationships and your children and your animals. I think that's um, part of the maturation process that when you're two or three years old, everything is resolved with your fist, (laughs) right? And so you have to, I mean, that's part of growing up and being an adult is to, to learn that sometimes there, you know, there are different approaches. It was interesting. You've mentioned a couple of times about having horse people uh, shooting the film so they know what to include. And kind of the analogy I would have is if you're shooting, you know, Kenny Reeves movie about the Braun F1 team. And if, you know, your camera crew shows up in electric vehicles, you're in trouble, right? But if they show up in, in like, fast cars, you're like, okay, this is a crew that's going to know kind of what's going on. And you'll see this in some of the, the streaming shows I watch about vehicles is that the camera crew are also in that milieu. And, and so they're, they're cameramen, but they're also, they turn wrenches and they race cars. And, and I, I suspect it's probably the same with this film, right? That you gravitate toward people who respond to the material and it's, it's hard to say exactly where, but that's always going on in the back of their mind, even subconsciously, oh, this horse is going to back up. So like you said, they frame it such so the horse backs up and stays in frame, as opposed to, I might look at it, not knowing horsing stuff. And, and, oh, well, now's a good time to look at the face. And then the horse backs out of frame and you, you ruin the shot. So I think that that's kind of, it talks about, as we mentioned, like the passion. Like if someone's really passionate about a thing, you're going to make a better film than a person that's just hired 
and they're like, they're, you know, they're doing their best, but it's different than when you have that passion for it. Mm-hmm. So we are all out of order here. So let's back yeah. up a little bit. Let me tell you also that the DP is Luke Gespuller. Um, they filmed in Red Bluff in Chico, California, Montana, Texas, North Carolina, Washington, and Wyoming. Buck travels nine months out of the year going, putting on these different clinics at different horse stables uh, around the country. The editor was Toby Shimmin, who Cindy loved working with and said she was um, a wonderful, wonderful editor. And let me read the synopsis, even though we've kind of done it, but I think it bears repeating an examination of the life of acclaimed horse whisperer in quotes, Buck Branneman, who recovered from years of child abuse to become a well-known expert in the interactions between horses and people. The tagline is there's no wisdom worth having that isn't hard won. And do we have a pickup line? Did you? Uh, yeah. How you doing there, buddy? And that's Buck talking to a horse. Yeah. So, I mean, that says it right there. Like he just, uh, I think, approaches everyone and every animal with an open heart, no expectations, no pre... He said, um, he told a story, and I'm going to forget the story in one of the interviews, but basically he says whenever he approaches somebody, he he doesn't, he hasn't made up his mind about them. He waits to see like have an experience and an interaction with them before he kind of you know kind of decides who they are which is amazing considering his past his father was so extremely abusive and um, his mom passed when he was in grade school so his saving grace was did his dad die and he went into foster care or no he was taken into foster care by local sheriff who did the right thing yeah i'm not sure it was strictly lawful but it was the right thing to do and so his foster mother who she's a saint somebody needs to make a documentary about her she took in all these boys and it was so sweet i mean almost like a little bit of a buck buck Branneman because she's just a little bit of a thing she reminded me very much of your grandma emma absolutely yeah i saw that too and but obviously she had a way with these because she was it was like all the wayward boys kind of came to her and they immediately respected her immediately wanted to please her immediately just loved her and it's sweet because buck calls her mom with just you know and she treats him as if she birthed him. I mean, it's just, it's such a loving relationship that's beautiful to witness. He talks about learn how to use 90% of your your mind and only 10% of physical and you would be better off. So thus, you know, no need to, to beat somebody into submission or anything that you can use your mind to kind of get what you wanted. I loved his sense of humor and I loved his relationship with his daughter. And it's so sweet because in some of the interviews, he would talk about her and he is just captivated. He thinks, you know, she hangs the sun and, and puts out the moon every night. Like it was just so sweet. Yeah. And we did mention, we did a little research. He actually has three daughters, but there's just the one that was mentioned in the film. And I think she's the one who's kind of gone into that uh, world because uh, if you Google 
you know, there's some articles in like American Quarter Horse Magazine or whatever. But I, I think, yeah, his sense of humor, you know, one of the things I mentioned is he, he asked the class to to go to um, the rear of the horse for some purpose. And somebody else says, didn't. And he says, you're at the head, the eating in. That's always a hard one. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right. I, we did, I did look up uh, his website, which I can include that in the show notes. And you were talking about his daughter. I'm going to interrupt myself to say that she did a, a very cool Yeti, um, you know, like our, our, our cups that right. we have, our yeah. Yeti cups. That I have in my hand right as we speak. Yeah. She did an ad and it's almost like a mini documentary. So I'll put that in the show notes because, you know, at least go watch that because if you're not going to watch this movie, although I highly implore you. But um, so we did look up. It costs uh, $750 for three days to participate with your horse as a rider or he has a spectating auditing fee, which like, like you said, is 30 bucks. And I need to look up if he's ever going to be in this area because I think it would be so cool and I would learn so much. Yeah, even. I would drive to Bend to see him. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah, because he, he'd been in Bend, Oregon, he mentions in the documentary. So it just, I mean, obviously we can't fawn over this film, but more importantly, this man and his ideals. And I mean, he could do a TED Talk, but I think that's what we love about him. Like he totally could, and he does, he did write a book. And he does have a movie, but it's not like he's out there seeking all of this. He could have a TED Talk. He could have all these other things. And what he loves to do, you can tell, is get in his trailer, drive to the next town, and do a clinic for people and inspire them to be better horse people. That's all he wants. Yeah. And and I would argue better people. So this is kind of a thing that I, I encountered from a different direction. You know, years ago, I did some research and how to be a, a better leader in a different industry. And ultimately the, the answer I came away with is become a better person. And, and so I think the way to be a better horseman or horsewoman is to become a better person. Mm-hmm. The way to become a better dog trainer is to become a better person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's good, good, good food for thought. So there was some serious head trauma in this movie. Yes. A uh, horse trainer, Dan, um, he gets the award for the, most injurious head trauma in uh, anything we've seen. A horse that we've mentioned before had behavior problems, was very aggressive, tries to bite his face off. No no other way to put it. And kick him, like reared back, kicked him and tried to bite his head or did bite his head. Yeah, yeah, got him and the th- like his chin and his forehead. So the like I said, the horse was trying to eat his face off. Ooh, so scary. Uh, it was yeah. so scary, that poor I guy. Bet, I bet Joe Rogan didn't like this film for that. It reminded him of the chimp attacks that he's worried about. He has a wife and she made an appearance. Did we get a smooch? Smoochy, smoochy, smoochy. I was giving some thought. I didn't make note of one. There may have been like Like a a, a little peck here or there, but it felt like she was maybe not quite as comfortable being on camera as he was. I would agree. And a driving review, we did see him in his RV. Yeah, he generally has safe operating procedures on the vehicle. I, as you can attest... More than once, paused the film in an attempt to determine the make of vehicle. He has, I guess you would call it a, a, a tractor, like a for a semi almost. It's a four-door crew cab, but it's monstrous. It's not like a pickup, like an F-150 or even the F-350. I don't know what, what brand it is, whether it's Freightliner or some brand I hadn't heard of. I kept trying to see... I think it's awesome. I wish more horse people would get a big rig like that to pull their horse trailers because whenever I encounter them, they're driving so dang slow. 
They need more horsepower, more torques. <laughs> Ironic. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. Okay. Unfortunately, I cannot find a budget for this film. It did bring in $4 million, uh, worldwide. It's like 3.4, I think, domestically. This was August of 2011. And then adjusted for today, that'd be like 5.3 million. So not a money maker, but right. it's IMDb scores are 7.6 out of 10. That's high. Critics loved this movie. For good reason. 90%. And audiences are right there, lockstep almost 89%. So they agree with us. <laughs> Which always makes them smart. Right. It's about an hour and a half. So not a huge commitment. And it is a documentary. It won the Audience Award at Sundance, as well as 10 other awards and 12 nominations. So you are in good company if you decide to watch this film. And it's just going to change your life. Like Mike said, it's going to make you a better person because you're going to think about how the the lessons that he gives and how to be a better horse person are lessons that you can use in your relationship with your with your partner relationship with your children you'll be a better dog owner i bet maybe even cat owner i don't know <laughs> yeah i have to say i really do want one of those little car antennas with flag on the end but i'm not sure that would help me be a better person or or leader or director <laughs> if i use one of those on set no. so yeah. i'll have to talk to the crew and uh, in a couple I, days, I think and see. just approach everybody with a sense of respect okay, okay, and sure. just ask for what you want. And then I think if people respect you, you'll get it. You know, w one of the tricks that I, I, I have adopted for a portrait session that I think is related to this is telling the person that there's absolutely nothing you can do that's wrong. And that safety, I think it, it speaks to that. All of all living creatures, humans, dogs, horses, uh, presumably penguins, giraffes, whatever. We're concerned about our safety for obvious reasons, right? The world can be a dangerous place. And so giving someone that gift of safety, I think, frees them up to be their best self. I love it. I can't say it any better other than please. This would, this is a great reason to get Canopy is yes. to watch this film. And then you'll have it on your phone or your device, or your TV, and then you can go back to it and see if you don't know what you're, what to watch. Just pull up canopy. You will find something like, oh, I've been wanting to watch that. Or, oh, that movie. I forgot about that one. So take that. I was going to say, if people want to watch something for free that's good, they could also go to the Dodge Media Productions YouTube channel. And there's some good content there, too. There is some good content. And, and maybe in about six months, there'll be one more thing. So that I love that. Thank you so much for that, Michael. I was going to say this is our last film for the month, so please get in your guesses for what the theme for November is. And stay tuned. Mid-December, we're going to be announcing plans for 2024, and we have some exciting news about how we're picking the films and where you can find out about them. And I'm super excited to share that with you. We've been planning this for a few weeks, maybe even a few months, and I can't wait to share that exciting announcement with you all. And never forget, Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies.